Welcome. The following is a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find us on the web at firstlovechurch.org. Chapter 5. Um, he's been on the side of the mount. I think it's significant and we need to be reminded of this. Moses received Torah on the mountain. And the Jews, the people culturally that Jesus would have been speaking to, really revered this idea of you went to the mountain, you spoke with God, and now we know how to live as the people of God. So when Jesus is on the mount, he's explaining the same thing. I am the word of God. I am the law of God. And in the beginning, last week, Thomas shared in the beginning of this verse on the Beatitudes, where Jesus is looking at the people. Remember, he was down in the palaces. These are the common people. These are the people that are the salt of the earth kind of people. And Jesus said, blessed are you who are brokenhearted. Because it doesn't feel like a blessing when you're brokenhearted. But Jesus is saying, I want you to see things the way that I see. You'll receive comfort. And he begins to teach on those things. In this same passage, in this same sermon, this is what he says. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then places it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I think this part is really important where Jesus is telling us. I love the blessing that he gave us. You are salt. You are light. Not like you have to earn it. Not like you have to work really hard to become it. Jesus is telling us who we really are. We are necessary. We are flavor. We are people who are evident when you're there. When the light is on, it's evident. When the salt is there, it's evident. Don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. You know, uh, twice here in, in, in these passages, we've seen scriptures tell us to do good deeds. You know, that's something that in this culture, uh, uh, you know, the American culture, it's not uh, uh, really maybe uh, emphasized as much. I mean, we're grateful for good deeds, but do we really, you know, have it on our to-do list, you know, Good deeds. I just want to do good deeds, you know. And and I, I think that when you have like that general intention, and that's what God instructed us to do, because those good deeds connect people with God. They experience God through good deeds. He's manifest when you're kind to people, when you're loving to people, when you're generous. He he is literally made manifest. Mm. And so when he's talking about here, don't let your, you know, don't hide light or or don't let your salt lose its flavor because it's good for nothing to to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But your, uh, your life is to affect another life in the way a good dose of seasoning affects a dinner. I don't know if you've ever been invited to somebody's house who's had heart disease, but God help them. They're trying to do what's right. And their doctors told them no sodium. And so the rest of us are punished because of their, their deeds. (laughs) 
And so I want to just have them look over there and grab the salt and just dump it on that dinner. Because when that dinner has met with that salt, it is good. Amen. When there's seasoning there, we enjoy our, our uh, Creole foods and our, our flavorful dishes. Amen. And that's who you are in this world to everyone you come in contact with. If I look, where, how can I do good deeds? How can I be salt? How can I be light? I'm not going to hide that because when light just shines, it affects. As I'm getting older now, I don't know if the world is getting darker in these dark times, but I'm constantly looking for another source of light. I can't find, or do these socks match? I don't know. Are colors getting closer to matching now than ever before? I don't understand. So we need more and more light. And when light is on the subject, it is, it is clear what is going on. And I want you to hear God say to you today, I have called you in this world to be salt and to be light. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. What happened? Did it go dead? In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Don't miss that because it doesn't necessarily say that if you do good deeds, someone will praise you. The idea is yeah. that you would show the good deeds and we would say how good. Sometimes and it people would... will resent you for your good deeds. Not <laughs> only will, will they not so praise you. Everyone <laughs> will praise your heavenly father. Don't misunderstand where I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. When you read this portion of scripture, people were asking, in that time, does that mean that we don't have to do the law anymore? Does that mean that these don't count? And I think that Jesus That's is good. coming and he's really saying, no, I'm intensifying it. I am saying this is what it looks like for humanity to really live Ooh. as the people cool? of God. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's law and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. These are sobering words to us today with this beautiful um, encouragement of you are salt and you are light. Jesus is calling us to say, but I want you to live that way because devoted teachers of the law and Pharisees, these people paid attention to how God wanted them to live. Now, they, I think that they were, um, they had gotten off and, 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 and Jesus had to come to set us right on some of the things we did, but their attention to actually do the works that God had told them to do, they were devoted to. And that's what we're invited into in this time of Jesus, this idea of our righteousness comes from Christ, but righteousness is right living. And how we would then live is if Jesus were living in our place. If Jesus showed up this morning and said, you could stay in bed, he was gonna do your work. Would anyone notice that he had taken your place? <laughs> would anyone notice or do you behave so much like Jesus that no one would notice that you are not there? You know, when I read this scripture, you know, and I think about the effort that the scribes and Pharisees went to living righteous life, you know, and then he's saying that their righteousness isn't enough, that, that could uh, read very discouraging 
because you know in a lifetime you're probably not going to reach even a quarter of that. And, uh, and so I think the key word is, is their righteousness or your righteousness because, you know, your righteousness would have to exceed that to even be uh, uh, of any value. And we know we can't even achieve that. So the, the key here is understanding that it's not your righteousness. It's that our righteousness in Christ Jesus. So in other words, his righteousness on your behalf. And so I think that that's really the key because I can uh, oftentimes think about, you know, the way I've treated my children or my wife in the past or the things I've said to others. And it really has a, a disqualifying effect in my life. Do you know, because I hardly want to step out and start preaching to them when, it, when it's just going to come across as hypocritical because of the things I've said and done. Why would I go on preaching another day knowing that I've hurt my children and my wife and other people? Well, I understand that it is God's righteousness that's transforming me and that I don't live or I shouldn't live in the shame of my righteousness, but I, I should strive towards living in his righteousness. Now, his righteousness isn't an excuse for me to go ahead and be mean to my family and others. His righteousness is an opportunity for me to move past what I can't do into what I've always wanted to do. Moving into the power and the strength to be kind, to be loving, to, to live in good works because he now empowers me. Amen. And he has forgiven me from my past. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I can move into a place where I am truly forgiven from God for the mistakes that I've made, the people that I've hurt. And I can actually go now through a new living in Christ Jesus and show them a new way and, and, and be, you know, loving and be kind and be uh, Christ-like. And, and truly, the way that I've hurt others, I can now, in the same way that that wounded and damaged, I can inspire and encourage. I can bring salt and I can bring light. Isn't God's plan glorious? I love what you're talking about when you, um, when I I love what you're talking about when you're causing us to pay attention to that power of transformation because salt transforms something yes, it and, does. And, and light transforms darkness. And there is for us this promise of transformation. That's why we would follow these paths so that we could encounter the transformation that Jesus offers us. This promise that there will be another kind of living that is gifted to us if we will follow these things. I was thinking because this scripture says, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and Pharisees, you won't experience, you can't even enter what heaven is like. There was a whole sect of Pharisees uh, during this time, and they were called the battered and bruised. And here's why. Because there's a portion of Torah that said, do not look upon a woman with lust. Jesus said, you know, don't commit adultery is the other law. And Jesus said, it's, it, you've already done it if you've looked upon it. So these particular fo followers of the law said, we are so not going to do that. We're not going to look upon a woman with lust. So every time they saw a woman, they would close their eyes, which caused them to be the sect called the battered and bruised because they would fall off things. They would bang into things. They would end up actually maimed and hurt. And they were proud of this. And I think that this is where we have to look at this and go, that was never the call that you bang up your shins over this. The call is 
is that you would treat everyone with respect, that you would say, this is a brother or sister, this is someone worthy of God, not that we would, and so I think that, you know, these people were right among them, the battered and bruised, and so Jesus is saying to us in that same way of going, listen, this is what we're called to. Okay. We're called to live differently. We're called to live That's just it. Do you have... Um, do you have uh, uh, the headset you mean you wanted to use? No, it's not working. This one. This. She said this one's dead too. Yeah. Oh. Okay. What the, is this one? This one's. Uh, We're going to work on this one. This one won't go off because it's got This a one's cord. got full battery. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers and religious law of the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But back to that very first verse that we enter here in Matthew chapter 13 You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. You are. This is Jesus reminding us of who we actually are, what we are called to do. We are called to be salt and we are called to be light and not just in a way that requires a lot of work, but in a way that causes us to remember who we really are. King David said this to people. He said, can you look around and can you find someone that I can show kindness to? We see Jesus intercepting a man who is, uh, tormented and brings healing and life to him and then he says go back to your family and tell them about my kindness there is for us this hope where Jesus says listen I want you to go back and I want you to do the good deeds but in doing that people are going to glorify your father in heaven there is for us this invitation in our understanding that we are salt and we are life, that the transformation happens internally in us, but then it, it transforms the whole world. That's always been the goal. And I, wanna, I want you to think about maybe is there a way uh, that we could, we could practicalize this, if that's a word, <laughs> uh, this sermon today. You know, because I've been thinking a lot about this good deeds and this, you know, and, and helping people. And, and I like to be able to help people when I can, but oftentimes people come up and they want something and I'm not prepared for it. And so I almost get kind of angry or a little, uh, uh, a little uh, frustrated at least, you know. Uh, so it was always nice to have those little bags of food when we had them because if I saw somebody that was asking for money, at least I could give some food. But when those ended, uh, I, I kind of was in a dilemma because those were nice because they had prepared me for good works. So I w went to the Lord and I asked him, was there a figure that our family could afford for me to keep in my pocket every month, put it in my pocket. And so I, I felt like God gave me a number. It wasn't huge, but it was more than I wanted to give away. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> and he told me to get it in fives and keep it in, in my wallet. And so what's happened over the several months that I've been doing this is now when I see somebody coming up, I'm going, Oh, is this a fiver Lord? You know, uh, and, and, you know, is this one, you know, and I'm prepared. So now I'm like, look, I think that's them, you know, and, and does it work up? Because are they coming up by the car? Is the light turning green? Boom, now, you know, or, or someone comes up at church and they ask, I don't go, oh, God, what are we going to do, Heather? I mean, we're ready, you know. Now, people sometimes take advantage of it. Now that people know that I give away five, some people go, well, let me get that 10. 
Because, you know, so like, uh, so it's, it stretches you to go, you know, to help me, Lord, you know, and, and discern on how, you know, and so it's, it's then it didn't become robotic because now I've got to go away. Well, let me pray about, you know, but, uh, but I got to tell you that, that the way this has happened is it's illuminated something in me. And I, I share these stories not to steal my, my blessing because you know how you're supposed to do these things in quiet, but I think it's important that we share so that we can be inspired. And, and that's what I want to do. I was uh, eating at a restaurant. Uh, uh, relatively recently, and I noticed uh, this guy just kept ma- running this waitress back and taking the food back in the back in the back, and uh, like it's you know her fault that the food isn't right. But I watched after all that work. I watched when she looked the check. She just put her head down, and then I noticed her go around the corner and she was crying. Well, I knew what happened, and you know what happened. She got stiffed on that bill. So. Uh, I just felt like, uh, man, I, I'd like to help her with that. And then I thought, bing, I got the fibers. And so I asked one of the other waiters, I said, how much do you think that meal was? You know, and he said, blah, blah. I said, okay. So I figured what the tip was, you know, 15, 20%. And I called the lady over and I said, it's none of my business, but can I ask you if you just got stiffed on that deal? And she goes, and she just hung her head. Yeah, she wasn't mocking the guy or anything. I said, well, I feel like the Lord told me to give you this. She goes, first of all, no, no. You know. And I said, no, no, I feel like the Lord told me to do this. And she goes, really? And she took that, and she just wept. She just wept, and she goes, it's been so hard. And, you know, and it's someone like you that makes me not want to just give up on this whole thing. That's what she said, and she left. And I'm finishing up my meal, and one by one, every staff member at that restaurant came up and said, I heard what you did. You know, and for me, that was the most incredible reward, you know, to have those, that little bit of good works impact so many people, you know. And it wasn't that hard to do because why? I had planned on it. I had prepared for the good works, you know. And so it was like, how many opportunities am I missing because my heart is hardened to this? But wait a minute, who am I? I am salt, and I am light. Now let me ask you a question. Who are you? Because I believe you're salt in your light. But do you believe it? And if you believed it, we would prepare for it. I wonder whose meal I'm going to flavor today. Whose dark socks drawer I'm going to illuminate today. You're going to make an impact if you'll prepare that. Now it doesn't mean everyone has to carry a wallet of fives. I just think that there's There's something that could be a takeaway from this message today where you could say, I'm going to prepare to be a blessing, to to live out good deeds. And could it be maybe even a word of encouragement or could it perhaps be a willingness to be interrupted, a holy interruption and sit with someone in their pain or pray with someone or offer um, just whatever the need. We see this with Jesus that he would, he would be on the way to go somewhere and something would happen and he would stop what he was doing and meet that need. And there is for us this practice of holy interruption. We have plans for the day. We have agendas that we've set, but will we allow ourselves to be interrupted by the world around us, by the universe around us and be able to say, this is how I participate in the kingdom. This is how I offer this is what it looks like for Jesus to be here. My hands, my feet. But 
I hope you hear what she just said. That is incredible teaching. Because I think, you know, with what I'm talking about, it might get the ball rolling. But I think that God's intention would be that we would get to that place. Because I got to tell you what it's like to go to Target with Heather. It can be very, it can be very aggravating people. I think you need to stretch your hands out towards me because I need some prayer (laughs) because I'm in and I'm out, man. We plan to go get this stuff. Now let's go. And next thing you know, she's over in the shampoo aisle praying for some lady. And she knew we had a schedule and she had to go too, but she's willing to interrupt that. And I think just in the way that you'd keep those fives in your pocket, you'd keep the intention that, Lord, when I see that divine appointment, that, listen, he will make if you're open. And he's making them all the time, and we're missing these appointments. You know? And I love what you're saying about that, and I appreciate that you are uh, seeing the the grace here. But it has been since the practice of Lent. You wish. Yeah, it has been since the practice of Lent that I have I have felt confident or have at least practiced enough to look at people in pain. I grew up in Chicago and so that meant that there was a ton of people always around you. I mean even just walking to school in the morning, there were so many people on the street that you kind of put your head down. And then there were people begging, there was people that were accosting you and so you just learned not to make a whole lot of eye contact. Just keep your eye, just divert your eye, it's fine. Just do what you're doing, divert your eye. But I think that there is a holy intention in God and, and I think that that's really what looking at the cross does for us is that we are able to look at pain and with hope say this is not the end and what if the whole world that we were able to not ignore people in pain or the world around us in pain but we were able to be salt and light salt is for healing not just for flavoring I mean for the for the whole world salt is for the sustaining of life that's why we have the oceans there is for us this idea of salt and light and in this place of pain or in this place of hope that we can bring good news this is how the kingdom of God is established that we would be people who would say we've so allowed the love of Christ to transform us that we are people that can look right into pain that we can look right into sorrow and say there is a way that you can experience comfort even right now you know I I I think that if if we could have some takeaway from this service it would be certainly Lord help us not divert our eyes from the opportunity for good deeds because what she's saying is, is, is so powerfully true. You know, I grew up in Chicago, too, and I had that diverting ice technique. And, um, uh, and I went right back to it when I was up in New York with David. And the last time I was up with David, uh, we were on a train. And, and as soon as the train took off, a guy stood up and he goes, Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce myself. I am homeless. I live on this train. I just woke up, and as such, I am very hungry, and I'm going to need some food, and I'd like to know who. And so it was like, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be your homeless person today here in New York City. And, and David, am I wrong? He gave that speech. And, uh, and so people just started helping. I'm looking down, you know, and, and next thing you know, like, like we're, we're on a train, and, and there's this homeless guy, and he's drawing, you know, and David is, um, David's over there. Uh, I'm trying to avert my eyes, and David's asking him, what is he drawing? And then David asked if he could buy the, the, the drawing that he made. Obviously, it wasn't the greatest drawing in the world, but it was a way where David said that he wanted to support someone who was in art and help uh, someone who was needy. And I thought, you know, God help me uh, be like my son David, you know? God help me be like Christ. And, and it's going to be that I don't avert my eyes from the people around me, even in my family.
you know, and, and just, uh, God, help us not avert our eyes. Let us be prepared and let us be willing to, to uh, maybe change our plans and our agenda for that moment. Because I always find it amazing, even though I had this tight schedule and, and we got all, and God got us all off the schedule, that somehow even better things happen and the day ends up, you know, turning out even better. He's, he's a much better author and finisher of our faith than we would be. In Isaiah 58, the Lord is talking to his people. And in the very beginning, he says, shout it loud. I mean, let your voice be loud like a trumpet. Have you ever heard that? I think that particularly happens when children are little. I'm like, oh, the word is happening here today. It's loud like trumpets in here. But he says, shout aloud to my people and tell them this is the kind of fasting I've chosen. Not the kind that you're doing, but the kind I've chosen is that you would loose the bonds that keep people captive that you would share yourself with the hungry, that you would take the wanderer into your home. And over and over again, and, and then at the end of the scripture, it says, and then your children will be the ones that rebuild deserted cities and ruined walls. And then those who come after you will be blessed. And I will be the Lord who is right there when you call out. So God is really showing us that there is for us, it has always been this plan that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus, that we would be the salt and the light. And you, brothers and sisters, beloved, are salt and light. I was looking up on the internet because that's a really great place to find things. But I wanted to find, how do you stay salty? I mean, just how does that happen? How does salt stay salty? Because I know that salt can disappear. And salt stays salty by being with other salt. I didn't, yeah, it just does. It, it, it salt stays salty when it's around other salt. And when it's off by itself, it does lose its saltiness. And there's this idea, and the same is true with light. Light that is scattered is very different than light that is all together. And I love our Sundays because for me, it is like the light that happens in a lighthouse where we're all refracting the Jesus that we have seen and experienced. And it's so powerful and it can keep ships from crashing into the, into the shores. And one of the things that we're going to do, and one of the ways that we do that together is we practice Holy Communion and we practice coming to the table and receiving everything that we need from the God who has already set the table for us. The following was a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find out on the web at firstlovechurch.org. If you'd like to help us continue the work that we're doing, you can donate at firstlovechurch.org.